We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat and Jason. We're talking about the Bulls getting absolutely smashed by the Brooklyn Nets. 138-112. to Game didn't really feel that close. Bulls uh, were competitive through the... Get crushed in the third quarter. The Nets run away with it. Uh, this is arguably the most demoralizing defeat of the season for the Bulls, but it does come with a couple built-in excuses. For one, Derek Jones Jr., a pivotal defender, especially in this matchup, goes down in like the first minute of the game with a pretty scary knee injury. We still haven't heard an update on that. Uh, if it's anything less than an ACL tear, I'm going to be pretty excited, Jason, because... That looked really bad. The Bulls were also still missing Alex Caruso, who remains out in health and safety protocol. They were also still without Javante Green, who's out with an injury. So the Bulls were down three of their four best defenders against the Nets, and the Nets picked them apart. I mean, Kevin Durant looked completely unstoppable. Uh, he went off for 27 points, 7 to 10 shooting. James Harden still didn't really look explosive, but he's as crafty as ever, man. Uh, him and the Nets drew so many shooting fouls on the Bulls. It was a very frustrating game to watch. So the Bulls get killed, but they're still on top of the Eastern Conference with what, like a game and a half lead over the Nets? Yeah. Game and so, a half. Uh, you know, we can discuss how, you know, how troubling this game really was in the big picture, but. You know, just for now, Jason, to start it off, uh, what were your initial impressions of that game and how are you feeling uh, after sleeping on it this morning? Yeah, I'm not like too demoralized, as you said. I mean, I was not, I would not have been, I was not going to be surprised by a loss. Um, I mean, the Bulls, second of a back to back, they beat whatever the Pistons by 46. Second of a back to back, the Nets clearly motivated to come into this game. They had, first, only second game of the season, they've had their big three. I know Kyrie didn't do much, but. Uh, clearly motivated. They were locked in after some really poor performances. I think I think their last game was that loss in Portland to a Dameless and 
no CJ team. So, like, I mean, you could see from the start. I mean, they were – KD and Harden were locked in. Uh, Kyrie was a little off, but still having him out there is important for them. Uh, and we saw it. It's like the Bulls' defense has been an issue for a while, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, more. Just a troubling trend with that. But as you mentioned, like, they lose Jones – one minute into the game, and I'm just going to go ahead and blame the uh, 9 p.m. start for that, the ridiculous late start time for national TV. Uh, they lose Jones right away. So we got Alfonso McKinney thrown into the fire, and, like, McKinney's had some nice minutes for them uh, in spot roles. But, like, you throw him out there kind of – he hasn't. I feel like he hasn't played in a while, or at least played, like, meaningful minutes in a while. He's out there trying to guard Kevin Durant. Just a total disaster on both ends for McKinney. So you, you have that problem. The Bulls defense has been slipping in, in general for a while. Uh, so the Nets, whatever, scoring at will all game. And it, it, as you said, it never really felt like the Bulls were like like that, really that in it. It was a surprise. The Bulls were able to stay so close in that first half. The offense was still fine. Zach and Tomorrow were hitting a bunch of tough shots, which is what they do. They were only down two at half. They were tied, whatever, tied with eight-plus minutes left in the third quarter. And then everything just went to hell. The Nets kept scoring. The Bulls stopped scoring. The Bulls started panicking. Bad turnovers, bad shots, bad fouls. And all of a sudden, they were down by, what, 38 points, like a quarter later, basically. So just, it was like a perfect storm of net, a locked-in Nets team. And, like, again, we have talked about the Bulls as contenders this year. And I have said that fully healthy, I'm still probably putting the Bulls on a level below the Nets. Having, having a chance if things go right. But we saw yesterday what happens when the Nets – uh, are playing really well, and when the, when their superstars are locked in, and they were missing guys too. They didn't have Joe Harris is still out, Aldridge is out, Paul Millsap was out, so they were missing some guys too. But I mean, they just have so many weapons still. When Katie and Harden are firing, we saw Patty Mills. We know how dangerous he can be. They got some good performances from their rookies. Daron Sharp had 20 points, outplayed Vucevic. Uh, I think it was a Kessler Edwards started. I think that's the right name. So just like we just saw how good the Nets can be. The Bulls kind of fell apart, and in a tough schedule injury spot with them, uh, it just all, all snowballed into a really ugly game. Yeah, totally. I mean, that third quarter was just a total wash. Looking at the stats from that third quarter, uh, Alfonso McKinney played eight and a half minutes that quarter. He shot one of six from the field, uh, oh, a two from three. He did have a couple of rebounds, but he also had – two turnovers. He was drawing the assignment on Durant for the majority of the second half. And Durant just totally killed him. And like, we were worried about who is going to match up with Durant, who's going to match up with Giannis when the Bulls are fully healthy. Now, when you take away Javante Green, Alex Caruso, and Derek Jones, three guys who hypothetically are going to get looks on Durant. And of course, like no one is going to stop Kevin Durant, he's the best scorer alive. He's seven feet tall. He's one of the best shooters ever. He dribbles like a shooting guard. He's basically seven-foot Jamal Crawford in terms of his scoring package. But throwing a guy who was out of the league a month ago on Durant is his primary assignment. just isn't going to work. And then McKinney also just, like, took a bunch of shots because the Nets were sort of, like, limiting the Bulls could get. Uh, from their star players they were leaving McKinney wide open McKinney couldn't hit any shots so it was sort of just a perfect storm yeah. of the Bulls losing this game even when the Bulls were down like seven in the third quarter I'm like dude the Bulls have no business still being in this game with three of their four best defenders out yeah, uh, I mean, 
they couldn't get any stops all game. I mean, from the start, they gave up 38 in the first quarter. Second quarter, the Nets kind of slowed down. But even then, like, again, the Bulls hung around. They were able to. Zach was hitting some crazy shots. But, like, it just never felt like the Bulls had any chance of really stopping them, like, all game long. And that's where easy looks. Harden had, what, 16 assists, just picking them apart. And Harden looking, like you said, he still missed some bunnies around the basket. But in general, he looked just much better than he did in those first couple matchups when he was still obviously, like, fighting through it. it was, he was he was awful in the second game, especially. Harden just much, a bit, just a bit quicker getting to his spots, breaking down the defense. So even though he wasn't, like, explosive finishing at the basket sometimes, like, he was still able to get, get his separation on those threes, drawing fouls, and then getting into the rim and finding shooters. It was just way too easy, and the Bulls just had no chance stopping them consistently. Yeah, this was the type of game they needed Lonzo Ball to, like, hit seven threes, which we've yeah. seen several times this season. Instead, Lonzo only takes six shots on the night in his 31 minutes. Uh, he was a distributor, but it just felt like he wasn't getting enough open looks offensively. Sometimes I think Lonzo's got to force the issue a little bit more, especially given the hole the Bulls were working out of. And then I thought it was a pretty disappointing performance for Nikola Vucevic. Yeah. Who, 5 of 13 from the field. He was matched up against Dayron Sharp, who was a late first-round pick for the Nets. He was in the starting lineup. Uh, you know, while the Bulls had three of their four best defenders out, the Nets were also starting two rookies in Sharp and Kessler Edwards, who, funny enough, was the guy I wanted the Bulls to take with that number 38th pick before uh, they end up taking Io, and Io's been phenomenal. But Edwards looks like a really solid role player, for the net. So while we've talked about like, you know, the bulls really didn't have a chance to stop the nets offense with so many key defensive pieces out. Let's also be honest, dude, like when the nets big three has been healthy, I want to say they've only played like Like they've definitely played under 20 games together. I think so- it's like 16. Because they played like eight in the regular season last year, then they played some in the playoffs, and then obviously they had the injuries in the second round, and now this is only the second game this year that they've played together. Yeah, so when they have been healthy and on the court together, uh, they're basically totally unstoppable. Their offensive rating is through the roof. Uh, We just haven't really seen them healthy because they were injured throughout last season. In the playoffs last year, Harden gets hurt in the first minute of the first game against the Bucs in the second round. Then Kyrie gets hurt, uh, I think, in game four or game five of that series. And now this year you have Kyrie's vaccination status or lack of vaccination status, uh, you know, preventing him from playing home games. And he hasn't even played road games until recently. So uh, the Nets are awesome. When yeah. they're healthy. We know that. Like the Nets were the odds on favorite to win the championship coming into the year. Coming into the year, we were hoping the Bulls could win like 45 games and get the sixth seed, be out of the play-in tournament. We all thought that would have been a wonderful year. Instead, I think we're we're pretty close to exactly halfway through the season now, I believe. Two Bulls games are, shy. Yep. The Bulls are first in the Eastern Conference, and they've exceeded every reasonable expectation to this point. I tweeted, I think, you know, a week ago that you know the Bulls went from a good story to a legitimate contender uh, super quickly. I still stand by that even after this performance. I would love to see what the Bulls could do with their full slate against the Nets. I think the people are being very quick to throw out the first two games of these matchups, uh, which obviously didn't have Irving. But, uh, you know, despite the reports that the Nets could pay a fine to get Irving in for home games, uh, Wojnarowski tweeted something today yeah, sort of that saying that the NBA basically won't allow it to happen. So yeah. if the Bulls do see the Nets in the playoffs, it's possible that 
or it's, I should say it's very likely that Kyrie will not be able to play the home games. So it's all very weird and strange when you talk about everything with Kyrie, quite frankly, and uh, just everything going into this season. But for now, that was a disappointing game. I'm not going to totally freak out about it because of the injuries, but I do think it, it sort of helps my agenda for what we were talking about on the last episode when I basically spent 20 minutes ranting and raving about why I want the Bulls to trade for Jeremy Grant. I do think that, you know, the Bulls do have some holes on this roster, despite their awesome success this year, despite the fact that they have played so many games without the full roster totally available. Uh, I think they need probably two bigs, quite frankly. I think they need a backup center who can catch the ball and pass the ball because Tony Bradley, long arms and bad hands. He's not really uh, can't really count on him to like play make when Zach and DeMar get trapped uh, out of the screen and roll. And then, you know, they could use another four. You're starting Javante Green. He's been giving them great minutes all year. Huge surprising success, right? Like we never expected him to even be in the rotation and for him to be a productive starter and a really good defensive player for them has been just a major boon for this team. I think you could point to his success and IO's success as reasons the Bulls have exceeded expectations. And then, you know, DeMar DeRozan being a top five or six MVP candidate doesn't hurt either. But in general, a tough game for the Bulls. I'm not going to freak out about it. But it helps my agenda that the Bulls need to add another piece for the stretch run because guess what, guys? The Nets are really good. The Bucks are really good. And if the Bulls do see one of those teams in the playoffs, which is quite likely uh, if they can win a series, it's going to be a tough, tough matchup, man. Yeah, I mean, even looking past them, the Heat have been awesome. They're right there as well. Uh, and they've been winning all these games without Jimmy and Bam. The Sixers are starting to come around. We'll see what happens with the Ben Simmons stuff. Uh, the Cavs are right there, and we know the Cavs are huge. So I think we knew uh, even before this beatdown that the Bulls really needed to make an upgrade, uh, that they could absolutely use more size in in terms of a big man, in terms of somebody on the wing, uh, and this game just showed it. We know the playoffs are different than the regular season as well, and if you're going into a playoff series and you have to face KD, Harden, and then even half of Kyrie Irving, uh, you're going to need a lot to go right and a lot of talent to beat them. So this game just kind of show, it was it humbled the Bulls. It shows that they need to get they need to get better, that they have a lot room to improve, improve on defense. They have a lot to improve in terms of the roster. AK knows it. I'm sure he'll be aggressive. We've talked about it. You mentioned Jeremy Grant. There are other moves as well you can make around the margins too uh to help upgrade your roster just to get to be ready for a team like Brooklyn. Again, like I said, I I would still put the Bulls below them, even though they're first right now, still below the t- a team like the Nets and the Bucks. The Heat are right there too in a playoff series. But if things go – the Bulls just need to put themselves in a situation where if things go right, if injuries break their way, will they have the best chance possible? And that's where uh, making these moves does help. I will say in terms of making trade deadline moves, I will update, obviously – if you somehow miss it, Damian Lillard is going to miss like a month and a half to two months or maybe even the rest of the season. That could impact or that does or possibly will impact the Bulls first round pick they have from the Blazers this year. Uh, it's lottery protected. The Blazers right now are in 10th in the West. The, the race for the 10th spot is awful. So the Blazers could still get in the play in even without Dame and who knows what they do with CJ or what they do at the deadline. Uh but that does affect possibly the Bulls' own trade talks. We even uh, we could also see the Bulls go to the Blazers and maybe try to get somebody from the Blazers, whether it's a Larry Nash Jr. or Robert Covington. Uh, I don't know if they would try to get like Nurkic to be a backup center to Vucevic. I'm not sure, but that's definitely something to note here. 
and with with the Bulls and the trade deadline coming up. Um, we'll talk about a little bit more about that in a second. Let's get a speaker. We have a speaker request here from Renee. I'm going to bring him up here right now. Go ahead with your uh, comment, Renee. What's up, Renee? Maybe. There we go. Hey, guys. What's up? Uh, real quick, um, this is the most Bulls. This is the most Bulls fan thing ever, the overreaction theater, first of all. <laughs> and the second thing, um, you know, good teams lose games. And the Nets have been proving that. They've only beaten lower echelon teams. They've had some really bad losses themselves recently. And I do think the argument about Javante Green and Caruso being out making a huge difference is true with the point of attack defense and just a bit of a better defender in Javante than uh, what we've seen. So I, I'm not sweating this game that much, and I'm not even sweating the Nets that much. I'd be more worried about Milwaukee. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Renee. I've been saying that on the podcast as well. And I actually think the Nets could beat the Bucks. I think the Nets have a better chance to beat the Bucks than the Bulls probably do, at least as the Bulls are presently constructed in a seven-game series. Uh I'll take my chances against the Nets just because it's a weird year. Like the Nets guys are old. They all have pretty substantial injury histories and Kyrie's not going to be available for home games. So that throws a pretty big wrench into it. Uh, I totally agree with you that, you know, it's, it's easy to overreact to a game like this. It might just be the Chicago sports fans mentality to overreact (laughs) to a game like this. Fans overreact to every game like this. So many fans, any, any team overreact game by game. I, I get it. I told you, when you get blown out like that on national TV, and it happened again, they, their other national TV game earlier this season against the Warriors, similar thing happened where they were competitive and then they got blown out in the second half. Uh, I get it. Fans overreact. It's fine. I, I, I have to fight the urge to not do it as well and try to keep a level head. So totally understand it. <laughs> Although I feel like some people go too far. I had some some silly mentions last night on Twitter. Can we also say that the Bulls got a shit whistle in that game? Like, all the jump shooting fouls that were called, uh, I'll say, like, 60% of them might have been legitimate, but they got a tough, tough whistle, man. Like, especially Io getting into early foul trouble. His second foul in particular was a pretty weak call. Uh, you know, superstars get superstar calls. That's the way it works in the NBA, and the Nets got three superstars. But uh, you could see how the tides could change with the Bulls having their full roster available, if it ever happens. They haven't had their full roster available for the whole season, it feels like. Uh, and, you know, maybe maybe the calls go their way in a future matchup. Yeah, I mean, the jump, the, those jump shooting fouls are really just, like, demoralizing, especially when they're just, like, touch fouls. I, I, I didn't have a huge issue. Like, I thought, I mean, they were kind of generous to the Nets. I didn't have a huge issue with them. But, like, I know especially just with Harden's, antics and his grifting it's especially annoying like there were a few times where he was definitely flailing around uh, i know there was one time where i'm glad he didn't get the call where he just like fell down driving on zach and zach i think blocked him i thought he was going to get the call for sure but uh they didn't fall for that one but there's some of those jumpers like both him and katie i think had multiple shot jump shots where they the bulls followed them and you just got to be smarter than that i mean especially with harden you know he's going to pull those tricks uh and his step back is lethal when he does that he just just can't be going into him Refs are probably going to call it. They're used to calling it, and uh, we'll see. Let's uh, bring Joe up. Joe Green here uh, is requesting to speak, so I'm going to bring him up right now. Joe, you're up. What's going on, man? What's up? Uh, thanks, guys, for bringing me up. I uh, love the show, by the way. Um, Thank you. 
So a couple of things. One, have we won in those really nice alternative jerseys yet? It seems like every time we put them on, we lose. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, actually. I'd have to look up. I know there's some sites out there that I think track records by jerseys, but I, I haven't looked yet. They're, they are so nice to look at. But they are. It seems like we're not having success. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and then there was a report that, that came out about um, Pat is not on the block um, and that uh, Kobe White is more likely to be traded. You know, yesterday, games like yesterday, obviously Kobe has um, has been a pretty positive influence on the offensive end. But defensively, he is still very much a negative uh, player, I'll say a minus player. Um, and so, you know, what do you guys think about that report? You know, how true is it? Um, and do you like the idea of Kobe moving over Pat? Yeah, first of all, I'll take this one real quick, Jason. And yep. I mean, so first of all, I wouldn't put too much stock into those reports because for the majority of AK's tenure, he's moved in silence. Uh, the Lonzo thing, there was a ton of smoke around that. I think the whole league knew the Bulls wanted Lonzo. I'm assuming that that was leaked from Rich Paul's side in terms of the Bulls courting Lonzo because when you look at some of the other moves that Karnaschovas has made, they basically came out of nowhere. There wasn't much smoke on Caruso or DeRozan. The Vooch trade was definitely completely out of the blue, as was the second deal the Bulls made at the deadline last year, acquiring Daniel Tice and Troy Brown in exchange for Daniel Gafford. So and Javante. Javante, <laughs> right. So I wouldn't put too much stock into that. In terms of how much sense it makes to trade Kobe over Pat, it's interesting because they were both top 10 picks. Pant went number four. Kobe went number seven. Kobe's closer to an extension, and he's going to be extension eligible after this season. That's one thing I've been thinking about in terms of, like, do you, you know, tr- include Kobe in a trade to try to get more front court size? Like, are they going to pay him? At this point, the way Kobe's been playing, I would say we talked about this last episode, but probably at minimum you're paying him $10 million annually. Now, you will have one more year with him under his rookie deal, Uh, And then he's going into restricted free agency if they don't reach an extension where the Bulls could match any offer. So it could be a decent time to sell high on Kobe. I I do believe that. But I do love what Kobe's brought to the team. I think if they were to trade him, they would need to fill that role of a bench scorer because the Bulls bench, while they have been pretty good, I think, in general on the season, they just lack scoring punch. They're like last or second to last in terms of bench scoring in the league. I also think it's sort of an easy role to fill. Like Kobe's filled it well. He's filled it admirably. And I think he has room to grow even beyond what he's doing right now because he's still only 21 years old. He turns 22 in February. But I think like you could get a veteran bucket getter. I keep throwing out Eric Gordon just because he's stuck in a hopeless situation in Houston. But just someone like that who could score points in a hurry, like that's not the most difficult role to fill, right? Like bench bucket getter. So if there's a team that really values Kobe and that thinks, you know, they want to sign Kobe to a, a sizable extension, make him part of their future, it might make sense to sell high on him now. I would bet, though, that Patrick Williams still has more value yep. around the league. Of course, these things don't happen in a vacuum, right? Like the Pistons could value Pat more than Kobe, but the Pacers could value Kobe more than Pat. Who knows how it's going to shake out? Uh, and it's not going to be the same across the board. So I'm not against including Kobe, but I think if they do trade him, they're going to need to get themselves a bench scorer. We saw Karnaschovas make multiple moves at the trade deadline last year, so uh, I think that's certainly on the table. And, Jace, I told you 
for our preseason podcast. My bold prediction for this year was that the Bulls had a major piece at the trade deadline. I'm standing by it. I still think they do something. Uh, listen to my la- our last episode if you want to hear my passionate case. For <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm not against trading Kobe, but, man, Kobe's such a cool guy. He's uh, been really fun to watch. But, yeah, if they have to trade him to fill some of their holes, I wouldn't be against yeah, like in this situation, like I'm sure the Bulls would rather keep Patrick Williams and they trade they, this. They're from this front office. It was AK's first pick, number four pick. Uh, he's still, what, 20 years old, super young. The idea of him is is great. Who knows if he ever hits it? The injury obviously kind of throws things off. So, like, there, and there have been multiple reports. There was the one yesterday from Hoops Hype from Michael Scotto. And now Jake Fisher kind of said the same thing about Kobe being kind of the one who's available. I mean, I think it does make sense. You, you point to the, like, the fact that he's about to be extension eligible. I mean, could that be like, we just saw the Hawks trade Cam Reddish today to the Knicks, I think partially because they don't want to pay him because they're already paying so many other guys. Uh, so they wanted to get, an asset out of him to maybe use for another trade for somebody to help them maybe win a bit more right now. So, I mean, it could be a similar situation with Kobe. Uh, I would be surprised if Patrick Williams is totally off the table. We've talked about this a lot. Uh, we've written about it, just like the pros and cons of moving off Pat. And like I said, not really giving up on him, but just making more of an all, all in move for somebody like Grant or somebody else like that this season. Uh, I don't think he should be completely off the table. He, I don't think he's like that much of a sure thing. He still is a really raw player. Uh, but again, I think I get the idea of like AK not wanting to trade him. But when you're trying to win a championship, you got to make those trade offs. You got to make, have those debates, whether you're going all in that for it now. So yeah, I think both those guys will probably be involved in trade talks, whether they actually come to fruition. I do, I agree, Ricky, with you that I think they will do something. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a huge splash, but there will definitely, I think they're definitely going to make some type of upgrade. And we, again, as we've just talked about after watching this game, I think we know that they know that they could use upgrades in the front court, whether that's a big wing, whether that's somebody else to back up Vucevic or something like that. So. And to trade, to get something, get something good, you got to trade something with some value. And that's, that's Pat, that's Kobe, uh, Derek Jones Jr.'s contract is there. We'll see what happens with his injury, but I don't think his injury would really matter too much. Obviously, I don't want, I hate to say any of this stuff like trade stuff when this guy might be like out for the year or something, but, and they could still trade him as like a sal- as salary filler in a deal. Uh, so I guess we'll see and we'll, we'll see how much he's, how badly he's hurt. Yeah. We've talked about this. Joe, what do you think in terms of trading Kobe versus trading Pat? Like everyone has heard mine and Jason's thoughts, but curious, you know, your initial reaction in terms of like how you feel about trading Kobe or trading Pat, just trying to get some different perspectives. That's, that's so tough because like, obviously, like you said, I can see it both ways. So, um, I do love the potential of Pat, but that's just it. It's just potential right now. And the times that we have seen him, he hasn't been amazing. Uh, you know, when you compare him to the rookie uh, down in uh, or up in Toronto, uh, yeah. yeah, and how aggressive he looks and just how confident he looks. Pat's not there yet, and I know, you know, obviously things can change, right? And you know, he can get better. He can work, continue to work on his game, but. We just haven't seen it come to fruition. And we know, I think we're understanding now what Kobe is. Um, he is a, as, as he likes to call himself, a hooper. He can <laughs> put up points. He can, you know, uh, he can play make. Um, but, you know, he, he he's just not, from a defensive standpoint, that guy right now, he can get better. I think Zach Levine has shown you can get better defensively. Zach was so lost 
early on in his career uh, and he's gotten better. But um, I just feel like, you know, I guess it just depends on what AK values more. If he if he thinks that big wing defender or another big is going to be more valuable than a score, then, you know, you kind of got to go move Kobe. Or, uh, you know, if you think that Pat has the ability to give you anything this year, because it is about this year. Um, And I know that, you know, um, the front office understands that. So, um, yeah, I don't know what I would do, but that's why I don't get paid to make these decisions. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I feel that, too, just as someone who gives opinions about basketball, because I have definitely have a checker or, you know, mixed track record with my own thing. I will say I was listening to Will and Mark yesterday on the Bulls HQ podcast. Everyone should listen to that, too. That's been a really awesome listen, uh, especially since Will joined. But always, too, because Mark does a terrific job. And one point they were making was that you can't have it both ways. You know, you, you can't really like uh, keep your young guys and also go for a title. And the thing I kept thinking about as Will and Mark were talking about that was the Warriors. Like the Warriors are going for a title this year, but they the ownership doesn't want to trade Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, James Wiseman, even though none of those guys have really made an impact on this year's team. Wiseman hasn't even played. Kaminga's been pretty good. He's been better than I anticipated, to be honest. But, uh, you know, kind of a similar situation to the Bulls. In the Warriors' front office and ownership seems to be pretty staunchly against trading their future pieces for present-day help. They believe they can build on multiple timelines and have waves of talent and I don't know. It's like they should probably be trading those guys and going all in to try to win the title because there's some really good teams out there. And uh, you got Steph Curry in what might be one of the final years of his prime. Kind of the same thing for the Bulls, even though they're like less of a contender than the Warriors. But if it's me, I gave my big Jeremy Grant rant on the last (laughs) episode. I'd be fine with, you know, someone else, too, uh, if, if they're also a big four. But. I would prioritize this year, man. These these opportunities only come around so often. And, like, if DeRozan's 5% worse next year, which wouldn't be a shock, if Vooch, you know, continues to slip a bit, is a scoring threat, you just don't know if the Bulls are going to be an elite team. Like, look at the way the Hawks have fallen off this year. The Knicks wouldn't even be in the playoffs this year, and they had home court advantage last year to start the playoffs. So, man, it's t- it'd be tough to trade Pat because I really like Pat. I think Pat's going to be a very good NBA player, but he's just hasn't proven it right now. And I would, I would go all in this year. That's just me, but it's it's legit. It's a legitimate debate to have. I just want to say, can we stop with the Kawhi comparison? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've said that for a while now, just like ridiculous. Like who maybe Pat shocks everybody and somehow becomes like, Kawhi ish, but like we're talking top one healthy, top whatever, three, five player in the NBA. That's just like so far out of like the realm of likelihoods that it's just, it's just not worth even address, like thinking about that possibility, really. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Thank you so much for uh, coming up here. I'm going to bring, we have another request. We got Max. I'm going to bring Max up here. Max, go ahead. So, hey guys, how you doing? Big fans of a uh, of, of the podcast. Thank um, you. I've been hearing a lot about how it's time to kind of go all in. Uh, like you know, the Bulls are they're potentially going to put themselves in position to be championship contenders. I think something that worries me is games like this, and we've seen kind of Zach do this throughout his career a little bit, where you know, let's get really, really bright, and you know, we kind of we kind of you know piss all over ourselves a little <laughs> bit. Um, we have. Not a lot of playoff experience on this team still. I mean, you know, if you look at our, our rotation, we only have uh, maybe DeRozan and Caruso are the only guys that have really kind of won in the playoffs at all. And I think this team gets compared a lot to the Suns. I've seen that a ton. Yeah. And I feel like the Suns were kind of, first of all, this kind of caught lightning in a bottle, got really, really lucky on the injury front. And really, if Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt in that first round series, they probably lose in the first round. Is it? Is there any value in just kind of seeing what happens in the playoffs with these guys and giving these guys experience? I know you were talking about DeRozan declining and Vooch declining, but is there any value kind of seeing what potentially a Kobe White, Io, Zach, Lonzo kind of look like in the playoffs for deciding like, okay, we can actually beat the Bucks or the Nets in a seven-game series? Yeah. Great take on that. And I saw our boy Ethan McDougal tweet this the other day. He's like, the thing I like about, you know, the big trade discussion, the Jeremy Grant discussion, the Harrison Barnes discussion, is that reasonable minds can disagree on this. And everyone's bringing pretty good perspectives on it. There's not an easy answer to it. And obviously there's like risk both ways. So I totally understand the idea of holding on to your pieces, seeing you know, just how close the Bulls are right now uh, to competing with those upper echelon teams. And the fact of the matter is, like, typically, if you're going to win the title, you need, like, one of the best players in the NBA, even if the Bulls were to trade their best assets to get someone like Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant, guys who are probably the 60th best player in the league or the 80th best player in the league, well, they're still going to have a hell of a time guarding Giannis and Kevin Durant because everyone has a hell of a time guarding those guys. So I get the idea of just like, you know, let's see how close the Bulls really are. I mean, honestly, if the Bulls were to get into a series with the Heat, if it was somehow a first round series, like, I think a lot of people would pick the Heat in that series. Oh, yeah. I know it's JJ. with the Sixers, I think, too. I mean, we've never beaten Embiid. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, fair. Very true. They've never beaten Embiid, which is insane. Literally. <laughs> never. Throughout his entire career. The Bulls have been trash for most of Embiid's career. But still, I mean, the Sixers smoked the Bulls in back-to-back games this season. So, yeah, I mean, it really comes down to, like, how close do you think the Bulls are to being an elite team? I think the Bulls are pretty damn good when they have Caruso, when they have their full complement of players. The fact that they've been so successful this year without the full complement of the roster for the vast majority of the season is pretty encouraging. 
But I can totally see the argument for it. Like, let's just see what these guys can do in the playoffs before we're really going all in. The one thing I would say, though, is, like, if they were to do the Jeremy Grant trade, Jeremy Grant's 27. Like, he's and he's under contract for next year. Like, someone like that could be around in a line with, like, Zach Levine's timeline and could, like, help maximize the Vooch DeRozan timeline in whatever the hell AK has coming after, like, this iteration of the team. So, uh even if you do keep Pat, keep Kobe, you got to pay those guys too. And the luxury tax bill is going to get really steep. We know old man Jerry hasn't exactly been willing to pay the tax in the past. So I think keeping everyone is a bit of a risk too, because at a certain point, like it's like a car, right? You drive the new car off the lot, it loses half its value. If Pat comes back this year and you don't trade him and he has sort of a rough run in the playoffs, well, then how valuable is he really heading into next season? Or, you know, you're basically banking on him having a big third or fourth year if he is going to have a ton of trade value. So that's a risk, too. So I could totally see it both ways. Like uh, the last guy was saying, uh, it's tough to sort of, dis- you know, to make, as Joe was saying, it's tough to, like, make these decisions. And, like, that's why Karnaschovas gets paid millions of dollars to make them. There's no easy answer. Uh, so I can totally see yeah, this is a situation where it's like there's not one or the other where it's like slam dunk. Like I, when I wrote the Patrick trade, like should the Bulls pay, trade Patrick Williams thing, like I am more lean towards trade him for a win now piece. But like I get it if you don't. But then, but then I had so many people just being like, no, you can't trade Patrick Williams. And it's like, why not? Like he hasn't shown that much where you're going to be like, I have to keep this guy. Like the Bulls, we've seen, we just saw the Bulls go through this whole thing where they went, they go through all these high draft picks and like none of them have really turned out into like anything that special. Like sure. Patrick Williams could be, could end up being like a supercharged Jeremy Grant in a few years. He could also end up being like just the guy like Lowry turned out to be. And like we, people were so high on Lowry. I was high on Lowry and he ended up being just kind of like a guy. And he's just like a guy with Cleveland. Now the Cleveland's really good, but it's because their other guys are really good. So like you, like Ricky said, there's the risk and also holding and them not actually panning out. And then it's like, well, what do you go? Where do you go from there? So this is a situation where definitely, I think there's good arguments on both sides. I lean towards the win now part, but uh, if you do, like, I wouldn't be upset if the bulls don't trade Patrick Williams for one of these guys. Like I get it. If they would, they want to give him a chance and they don't think that they have like a great chance to win in the playoffs. Sure. Uh, another point Max did make, and I, I think we had Patrick in the comments here also kind of brought up about Zach, about, about the Bulls kind of pissing their leg in big games. Ricky, do you have any cons- – the question from Patrick was, are you worried about Zach, Zach's lack of IQ and ball handling? Love Zach, but he seems to choke against good teams. He's yet to play well against the likes of Drew Holiday and Matisse Thibel. Uh Zach has definitely had issues against Thibel. We've seen that in multiple games. We just mentioned how the Bulls have not beaten the Sixers with Embiid yet. Uh, is that something you're worried about? I mean, he had a pretty nice first half, but we did see him have some really bad turnovers. We know that as good as Zach is as a shot maker and just his profile with that, that he can get a little antsy rush stuff. And I think we saw that not just him. We saw the whole team kind of start rushing stuff in the third quarter last night and get kind of panicky. Sometimes that happens in crunch time earlier in the year that happened. So is that anything you're concerned about? And that also to the point of being of the playoff experience and like, can the bulls be like the Suns and catch that lightning in a bottle? Is that something you're worried about Ricky? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Zach has struggled in big situations his entire career, I think before this year. And that's why the bulls had to go out and get DeRozan to like lend that steady hand during the biggest minutes of the game. 
you know, Zach seems pretty comfortable ceding those moments to DeRozan this season, which, you know, speaks to the respect that he has for DeMar. And obviously DeMar has a lot of respect for him. Zach's scoring bag is basically awesome. Like he's, he's got the total package in terms of his scoring arsenal, but yeah, it's like the way he processes the game on the offensive end of the floor does seem to cause some issues in the biggest moments. So yeah, I mean, I do think it's a concern, but also like how many guys in the league are better than Zach Levine? He's probably a top 20 player at this point. He's not a perfect player by any means, uh, but he's very good. So not like, you know, you can only go with the guys you got. I think that the Bulls were smart to try to, you know, add someone like DeRozan to take some crunch time pressure off Zach. Uh, but I do think it's a concern for sure. Yeah, I have that slight concern as well. And Zach has gotten better every year he's been here. But and we still it just still does come up sometimes where he's a bit loose with the ball. The decision-making, sometimes he starts jacking up shots. And definitely in playoff situations where you can't, really can't have those kind of moments where you're just like totally loser like that. It could, it could lose you game. So it will certainly be something to watch a few more questions here. Then we'll have to wrap it up. Just looking here at the comments. We had a question from Rio about basic moves and we've talked about Jeremy Grant. And then I think we could also tie this into the comment from Jeff about point of attack defense about Caruso helping, but we've seen, we saw Luca and Harden kind of tear them apart. They're not pressure pressuring enough. We've talked about their slippage on defense. So I guess look, moving past the Jeremy Grants of the world, who we've talked about a lot, anybody else you're, I mean, I think we've talked about Torrey Craig, if we want to talk about him a bit more, or anybody else who we think can help with that point of attack defense. We know Caruso and Lonzo, when they play together, that they can really, and even Green as well, Javante, can really just ramp up the energy and I think just set the tone for defensively. But I think we both agree that the Bulls could use more. Anybody else, Ricky, that you think can really help in that area of the game as the Bulls are slipping him into here defensively? Yeah, it's tough to, like, identify specific guys. I do think a lot of the defensive drop-off can be tied to Caruso not playing and Javante not playing. Like, Caruso is possibly a first-team All-NBA-level defender, uh, and then Javante has just been totally found money for them in terms of his energy, his activity. He's 6'4", but reportedly he's got a 7-foot wingspan, so he's bringing some length, too. Uh so as I've been saying, I think they need a backup five, and I think they need uh, another four who ideally can is big enough to slide over to the five and give you some small ball minutes if you do want to take Vooch off the floor for part of you know the most important minutes of the game. So those are the two positions. I know Will tweeted a pretty interesting three-team trade today that had the Bulls getting P.J. Washington, Torrey Craig, and Jeremy Lamb. Bulls would be giving up Kobe White and the Blazers' first-round pick in that. Uh, so that would be interesting. Like I've always liked PJ Washington. I'm not totally sure how PJ Washington would compare to Kobe in terms of like just overall production, but he would possibly fill a bigger need. Jeremy Lamb would fill the bench scoring that you're losing in Kobe. So that's a pretty interesting trade. And then in terms of the Blazers first round pick, the Blazers right now, if the season ended today, would be picking ninth overall, which means the Bulls wouldn't get that pick. I do think there's a scenario where that pick does not convey for a long time because, uh, I mean, it, it wouldn't be shocking to see the Blazers move on from Lillard at some point. I know Lillard already wants another extension from the Blazers that would pay him like basically $50 million a year into his mid-30s. What are the Blazers going to do in that situation? 
so, you know, it's possible the Blazers could be looking at a teardown here. I don't know exactly how long that pick's protected for. I want to say 2028. I was going to say 2027. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows when that shit's going to convey. If you're going to trade it, I think that that could be, uh, you know, a pretty good move. And I do think – I think there's no way the Bulls are making two first-round picks uh, in this draft. And I guess there's no yeah. way anyway because the Blazers pick's going to be protected. But even if that pick was going to convey this year, I think the Bulls just would have moved that pick because they don't – it seems like Karnaschevs doesn't want to make two first-round picks. So, uh yeah. I, in terms of guys, I mean, P.J. Washington could be cool. Torrey Craig could be cool. Uh, you know, guys like Miles Turner and Sabonis seem like a little bit of a level too high. And then you still got Ben Simmons out there, but I don't really know <laughs> what the Bulls have to trade for Ben Simmons. I think he'd be an awesome fit if they could somehow get him. But... I mean, based on what Daryl Morey allegedly wants, they would want Zach Levine. And that, obviously that's a non-starter. So I just don't see – I mean, who, know, who knows? The Simmons situation is super annoying at this point. Like – all these non-updates like we had yesterday where Rich Paul and Daryl Morey have lunch and then there's nothing happening and Woj is tweeting or going on TV and saying this might not happen until after the draft. I just want the damn trade to happen already. Uh, It's just super fucking annoying, (laughs) honestly. A few other questions here. Uh, He says, like, if the Spurs buy out Thad Young, would the Bulls be able to pick him up? No. No? No, they cannot. Uh, He has to go to a third team first and then get bought out or like whatever traded somewhere else. He has to basically, he has, there has to be one more team. He has to be on before the bulls can get him back this season. I think, I don't know when the rule was put in place, but I think it like closed a loophole where like a team trades someone to another team, he gets waived and then just goes right back to the team that he was with before, which I mean, I thought would be awesome. He'd be almost be an idea. If you an ideal piece there to be a backup four or five, uh, Played defense. We know what we saw his passing be great in the middle of the court. Uh, just, I mean, way better than Tony Bradley. But yeah, I don't think that they can get that young just because I, I think if I think some Thad Young will probably go somewhere else. But I would assume if someone trades for him, they actually want him uh, and they're not going to just like trade for him and then dump him. So Thad Young is probably not going to happen, I would assume. But I guess you never say never. Uh, another question from Patrick trade for the Wizards. Uh, they do have a bunch of big men, Montrez Harrell, who apparently him and KCP just uh, went at it the other day. Thomas Bryant, I believe, is coming off an ACL injury. I'm not sure when he'll be back. Gafford, uh, he's been starting for them. I think the Wizards like Gafford. I'd be surprised if they traded him back to the Bulls. I'm not really sure what's going on with Rui. I think he, did he just make his debut? I'm not even sure if that's exactly what – like Rui's a big four, but I feel like he's not a defensive guy. I don't know if he's – really the type the Bulls are looking for. Is that right, Rick? I don't, I don't know that much about Rui's game, honestly. He's kind of just a bucket getter, but also, like, what's even been going on with Rui? It's yeah, right. His absence from this season. But, yeah. yeah, basically, though, the Wizards do have some some front court depth that they could potentially be willing to trade. Man, someone like KCP would be really nice, too, if they could get someone like that in here, just as another big wing point of attack defender. So, uh I don't know. Like, it, it's tough. I think the Bulls do have some pretty defined holes on the team, but it's like how many teams actually want to be sellers when you got, you know, certain franchises just gunning to get into the playing tournament and be in that 10 seed. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be tough. But can we trade Kobe for Marcus Smart? <laughs> like the yeah, who, knows what this, who knows what the Celtics are going to do? Uh, I mean, they're kind of a mess as well uh if smart seems like one of the guys that would make sense to move if they're just gonna change 
something. So I don't know. Who knows? Um, Ruki, do you have anything else? I got to wrap it up here. Uh, yeah, do you have anything else? No, I'm good. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for our uh, speakers who came up and offered their opinions. Thank you for our commenters in here. Awesome. It was great to do one of these again. I know we haven't done that many of these in a while. Just first half of the year, I feel like a lot of the big games, like we're out on the West Coast, and we just like never got around to doing these again. During the second half of the year, I think we're going to plan on doing more of these green rooms again, just because it's a lot of fun to be able to uh, have you guys chat with us live good stuff especially with the bulls in this situation as in first place and as the second half of the year rolls around into the playoffs i think we will try to do more of these and especially with the trade deadline coming up obviously always a lot of fun to talk trade so thank you everybody to all the listeners commenters speakers all that kind of good stuff as always shout out to the blue wire network please go check out all those other great pods called blue wire for us at cash uh this pod go ahead derek jones out four to six weeks with a bone bruise so There. Avoided structural damage to his knee. That's uh, that's some good news for the Bulls. So four to six weeks, tough injury for sure, but it's not an ACL. That's what I was worried about. Shams just tweeted that news. So uh, so I guess good good for the Bulls that they avoided a super serious injury there, and good for Derek. But yeah, that looked really really bad when it initially happened. So that is, and it, he was down. He could not get up, and he was helped off the court. That uh, is a nice surprise for Derek Jones Jr. Uh, so good for him. Uh, back to closing this out, though, as always, please follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SB underscore Ricky. And this pod will be up some t- uh, in pod form. If you missed any of it, you want to go back and listen to more. This should be up on, on our podcast feed sometime later today or maybe overnight. Not totally sure when we'll get to it or get it up. So, But uh, as always, please rate and review us for those these podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those good places. So, uh, again, we will probably have another we, we i guess looking ahead we got warriors tomorrow night and that's another national tv game uh, i will be in attendance at the uc for my first game this season hopefully the bulls do not lay an egg in this one so that should hopefully be a lot of fun and the bulls got the celtics they got a really tough schedule coming up we got the celtics saturday in boston then we got a martin luther king jr day in memphis awesome grizzlies team then i think it's what like Cavs and bucks next week so we got a little we got a ringer of a schedule coming up in the bulls so chances to bounce back from this bad game we'll see we'll have plenty to talk about so we'll talk to you guys next time take it easy thank you everybody for listening and participating whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.